0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of We Are Miguel Social Work. Today, we're joined with the PhD team. It's an exciting um, Friday afternoon, and we're here with uh, Dr. Tamara Sisman. And she wants us to call her Tamara today. Olua um, Bemiga Oyin Lala, but we're going to call him Bemiga today. And Marsha Shaping Ma, and that's Marsha just for the conversation. Um, I will let uh, Dr. Tamara Sussman introduce Bemiga and Marsha and then we'll get started in what they have to share with us today.
1: That's great. Thank you so much, Alice. Uh, This is really exciting to have this opportunity to talk about what a PhD in social work is and why you would want to get one. Um, I have to say that I had different relationships with Bamiga and Marsha before starting the program. Uh, Bamiga was actually living um, in Iban, um, and he will tell you more about it, in Africa. Uh, reached out, uh, and I was really intrigued by some of the amazing practice experience that he had um and of course his interest in aging and that's how we kind of came to work together and work towards an application for the phd program marcia and i actually knew each other uh because she had done her master's with us at mcgill and uh i'd been chasing her uh for a while to to get her to think about doing her phd so i was very excited uh that the day finally arrived Mm -hmm. um so that's really uh that was really our relationship before and i invite them to tell you a little bit more about themselves and that journey.
0: All right. Um, and I am Alice, by the way, my name is pronounced Alice uh, Ishimwe. I am a last year student in um, ESW, uh, Bachelor of Social Work. And uh, I guess we'll start with Bemigang.
2: Oh, okay. I'm um, Uluad I'm from Nigeria and I'm a doctoral student, first year doctoral student. And uh, my professor and my supervisor is a, dis- a distinguished teacher, Dr. Tamara Sussman. Uh, she, I've known her, it's over a year now, and it's been amazing. It's been an amazing, sincerely. So and, um, my area of interest is aging, mental health of older person, dementia, and um, what happens across their lifestyle. And then what caregivers are going through in terms of caring for persons with dementia. So I'm coming from a personal experience because I lost my grandmother to dementia. And then doing this uh, with, together with my parents and as a young boy. And um, that actually formed my decision to be studying what sense have we made from what we do as caregivers. Mm-hmm. And then as a social worker practicing in at, in at the University College Hospital, Ibadan And then working at the geriatric center. um, I mean, the geriatric center is even the first geriatric center in Africa to be candid, and that's made me. And we only have, and that's the only geriatric center that focused on care for older person. Recently, we now have new geriatric center, which I've been fortunate to be part of the facilitator. So, it's been very interesting. It's been very interesting journey. Sincerely, and I'm so much glad. I'm very glad to be here in Miguel because Miguel have actually shaped my knowledge to know, okay, uh, what I'm doing, it's coming from, from somewhere and then to probe further and develop better solutions to the care for older person in Africa. Thank you for having me here. Oh,
0: that's, uh, that's a loaded introduction. We'll have a lot to, to unpack. <laughs> <from here. laughs> Before that, uh, Marcia.
3: Hi, uh, my name is Marcia. Um, I have been doing social work. Actually, I cannot say it's a job or profession. Actually, it's my life passion, you know. Um, where I, I go, I really just to share my stories, share my passion for social work to my friends, family, uh, whoever I met, my clients or patient at hospital. So I just felt that's part of my life. So... <laughs> Um, with um, uh, my background working uh, with orphan children. Uh, I was only like a young university student, age 18. <laughs> I went to uh, just with, went to an orphanage with a group of people from my university. And I, my life changed after that. And really why, you know, just, you know, I'm into the room to see often the children, their living condition, and the uh, people who are caring for them and uh, their circumstance, you know, became an orphan, it really touched my heart. Um, even now it's been many, many years. Um, I never remember a moment I forgot those children. They are, the, they are actually motivated me to work as volunteers at different Often it is sometimes community organizations to work with immigrants or, you know, sometimes to help my community, like vulnerable people in my community. Mm. So I'm glad I had this opportunity come to share with you my story.
0: Oh, great, yeah, thank you, thank you so much. Um, now, when we think about a PhD student, um, For me, if I can speak for myself, it's it's a little abstract. (laughs) So, do you want to guide me in the process of um, maybe the daily life of a PhD student? What what do you spend your day on? How do you work with your supervisor? Uh, Do you come here already with a topic in mind for your research? And then, if you can finish with why are you doing your PhD? Um, We'll start with you, Beniga. Thank you so much. Let
2: me start with um, my journey, my journey in locating a supervisor. I think that's the first thing. Mm-hmm. And then before locating a supervisor, what exactly do you want to do? What is your area of interest? Because um, before you know who you would work with, locating a supervisor is like um, looking for uh, a woman or a girlfriend or a boyfriend that you would work with throughout the rest of your life. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's the truth. Mm-hmm. So, And that's the process. That If you have that in mind, and then you look for a girlfriend or a boyfriend that actually has the same goal that is actually in line with your own goal, I mm-hmm. mean, the journey will be so smooth. So that I think really I, I, <laughs> it took me a while before I could see Professor Tamara. And then meeting her on Zoom, on Skype, on everything, It's been a very wonderful journey and I see another world entirely, do you understand? So that's the first thing. The second thing is to know what exactly you want to do. What is your area of interest? What's your topic? What actually do you want to solve? What what exactly are you trying to investigate as Uh an individual and as a social worker? Mm -hmm. Because in my experience as a social worker for over 10 years, I found out that there are a lot of things that's, that's going on at, at the background that is beyond me as practitioner. What informed what I do as practitioner? I spent six years working at the entire displaced camp as a social worker before my parents called me. Is it that you signed for your job or for the family? Working there was really risky. And then coming to the hospital for over 10 years, I found out that I work with diverse population most especially that are very vulnerable and then I discovered that okay what I do do I really do I really am I really am I really solving the real problem that this person needs and then how do I quantify it how do I know what I'm doing is really making impact and then I've read gone from I mean I have my master's in social work and then I wasn't really getting it true, true, really, really, but I felt doing a PhD would actually enable me to uncover what is blank, what is black, and then what is covering the face of, um, of my practice, and then providing a novel solution for those that are vulnerable. I could have gone for children and family, but I found out that there are a lot of people there. There are a lot of social workers going into that specialty. I found out that the the other extreme population, which is the older person, they seems being neglected and a lot of people are not talking about them. And I felt, okay, I lost my grandmother to dementia. My mother was a primary caregiver. And during this period, there was nobody. there was no specialist in the area of psychiatry and mental health in Nigeria. There are only 250 psychiatrists in Nigeria. And currently we only have three geriatric psychiatrists. It is very unfortunate. So I felt, okay, as a social worker and I'm very young, I felt, oh, this is a new area for me to provide provide solution and then solve problem older persons with dementia and other comorbidities are facing in Nigeria. Not only dementia, those that are at the end of life stage, those that require advanced care planning. So I felt, okay, let me do more. Let me read more. Let me advance my knowledge in order to know Best way to help this set of people. And here I am. I met Professor Tamara now in Miguel. (laughs) I've been we have as a PhD student, my life experience I've been around reading. This is a new, new area for me because I have to sit down on my screen read so many articles summarize so many articles mm-hmm. do a whole lot of assignments and then meeting up with deadlines and prepare for seminars and etc sincerely it's been a life-changing one for me and um, sincerely yours uh i wish you can come as well as a final year <laughs> student. year <laughs> uh, student yeah because it will, it will, it will spur you to actually query a whole lot of knowledge, a lot of things that are happening in the field of social work, and also for you to actually help the system, not query the system, but help the system. You All understand? Right. And um, I think that is what we need as social workers, and that's what we need, even in the African in Africa, that's what we need. And um, um, I believe Miguel is doing that for me. And, um, and, and I hope before the end of four years, Nigerian and Africa would actually benefit from what Miguel is building in me.
0: Right. Definitely. <laughs> um, so you were in your first year and you came directly from Nigeria, where you were practicing, and you had your master's in social work, really, right?
2: Yes, exactly.
0: What have you seen as different, uh, maybe, from your experience studying in, uh, in Nigeria? and? Uh, social work in Canada, what has what has struck you as uh, differences in how um, social work is conducted? I believe you haven't had a, pra- a chance to practice yet, but to to study in the in social work profession here as compared to back in Nigeria.
2: Now, I think the key difference, I've not practiced there in Canada, but what I found out in my little interaction with Masha, who is a practitioner for so many years, and then with some of, the, some of my colleagues here in Canada that have been practicing is that there are well-structured social service systems in Canada, which is well backed up by law. And number one problem we are facing in most African countries is non-availability of legislations. For um, for social workers and then uh, for services that have been provided by social workers, mm. that's number one thing, which I found very very big and my, 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 I found it huge for mm. African and uh, for Africa and Canada. And then secondly is the fact that um, there is, a, there is, a, there is a, for older person that are well well structured system of care for older person throughout their life course which apparently I find it very interesting. Nigeria just passed national agent policy. We don't even have care protection services for older person. We just passed that in, in March. So it's, it's, I found it very fascinating because here in Canada would enable me to actually influence that um, needed change for the right of older person in Nigeria. Mm.
0: So structures that are already in place uh, uh services that that cut out to different uh different populations across exactly. the, and is that what you exactly saying? exactly Great.
1: can i just add just because i i think it's important to emphasize with Bemiga, we really did uh work together before he came into the program and what i was really inspired by was that some of the dilemma that he was having around what's the best approach in this situation was because it's really the global North has been putting so much of the research out in aging and caregiving. And here he's working in a completely different context um, with different uh, belief systems and values and cultures. And this, how do you translate something out of a completely different context into your work and practice? So to me, what was really exciting and inspiring was to have someone who was, you know, ready to step up to the plate and become a leader in this, and actually generating some local expertise um, in a problem that doesn't just get infused from somewhere else and put there, but is actually going to solve local solutions. So, it's uh, it's great to see when people come in and they have these inspiring uh, ideas, and they've identified these really important gaps in
3: social work.
0: Mm. So when you say you worked together, what does that mean, Professor? Um, well, how was your relationship? Was he, Were you supervising him in his work setting? What does that mean?
1: What it means is that Bamika, as he said, sort of had thought about what he was interested in and then reached out to me by email. And this can be a pretty risky thing and it feels, can be discouraging. I'm sure as a student, you can send out 15 emails and you don't get, you know, a response back. As he said, because he already sort of had passion of an interest and he had sort of noticed uh, compatibility with some of the stuff I did, I was very intrigued by his practice experience because I think that the way of social work education should be from social workers who've been practicing. So I was really excited by that and we met and we chatted, and then we we worked on his application a bit together and just, you know, okay, if you come into the program, because it's, it's a huge leap, as Bamika said, like you're reading for the first time, you might be doing certain things for the first time, even the application can be daunting. So um, if you find mentorship around that piece, uh, I think, that's really where we began and a lot of it had to do with just it was a match but it was also he did a bit of the groundwork and I was willing to kind of take the risk and say let's do this this sounds really like an innovative and interesting idea Mm -hmm. so that's so it was about I'd say five months of kind of back and forth on zoom then i made you apply for funding but we won't into that uh but it was about would you say about five months sort of back and forth
2: exactly exactly yeah. like uh-huh. had meetings with me Get how to work on different applications like ensure that i put up the right thing the mentorship had actually that's what i said if you remember the first time like Know who you want to work with and know what you want to do. If you don't know who you want to work with and you don't know what you want to do, it's going to be a big problem. So I've found the mentorship to be refreshing and to be more enlightening for me. And um, it's really, really fun and really, really educative for me because I found it. uh, I found it really, really um, a a new dimension for me, which I need to venture into and navigate very well. So Mm -hmm. thank you so much, Professor Tamara for everything.
0: So would would you be okay to assume that it was uh, Bemiga's approach to exactly edging uh, and uh, working in a different contexts that attracted? Exactly. Yeah, exactly.
1: he had an innovative. Yeah, he had an innovative idea. Mm-hmm. Um, he already he and he put in the work. Uh, you know, I will say that if it's not always easy as a student, you could put in an email and you could have a really good email and you could have put in the work and you don't get a response. You know, you can't always control what happens on the other end. Um, So maybe the mentorship needs to be more local at first and you speak to some profs before to help you refine your ideas. But um, what I saw when we chatted was a real interest in, okay, that's a good idea, I'm gonna try that. And it was a very committed kind of back and forth, which, you know, to me is exactly the kind of relationship that you want to have, because as Pamika said, like, it's an intense relationship, your PhD supervisor, it's, it's a very long commitment. Hmm. And it's an important part of the PhD, no matter where you do your PhD, that's an important element that makes the experience. Hmm. All right. So
0: for those of those of us who are wondering about the process, you look for, you find your niche in social work, you look for a professor, I believe that's reading their, their bio on the website so looking for their work, you reach out to them. You're lucky enough, they pick you if you're a Bemiga, and then you you, you get picked by Professor Tamara, <laughs> and then you start the journey to getting to shape your, your entrance into the program from there.
1: Right. So you put an application in, but the application asks you to write a proposal. And that's, I think, where a lot of people can feel daunted, Mm -hmm. because you might not feel like you quite got that expertise from your masters. Mm -hmm. So um, there are different ways to get mentorship around that. In our case, we work together. But, you know, other people, maybe they would first uh, work on a research project just to get a taste and then feel prepared to put their own application. Mm-hmm. Or you you consult with a professor that you really liked during your master's and say, you know, I'm really kind of interested in this. Can you help me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How about
0: you, Marsha? How was your your journey to, to getting uh, into PhD of Social Work to connecting with Professor uh, Tamara and to being here?
3: Yeah, a lot of uh, things that uh, uh, Beniga mentioned, actually uh, it applies to me as well. Um, I really echo what he said about um, the social work, like social service structure in Canada. It's very different from like our um, past experience, like me in China, him in Africa. So that really opened our horizon to understand different public policy system can have different effect uh, for the people who live in the system, right? So uh, as for me, um, I really know myself. uh, I, you know, I'm a person likes to solve problems. So I'm taking initiatives, thinking critically about different social conditions and, you know, different human realities basically that's that's me just so naturally i want to do it so just like example i gave to you earlier um you know while i was uh, working as volunteers i'm already starting planning what kind of program we can have for different age group Mm -hmm. um you know volunteers go there we have a purpose we have a goal for that day so i plan those uh, you know activities those programs and then when i realized creates bonding for the volunteers with children. So I thought, okay, what else we can do? If they are bonded, but they only go once a week, what's the next, you know? So I'm starting thinking more about how to uh, like uh, improve their quality of life at the orphanage. Um, that's how, you know, other programs like medical aid, foster care, eventually adoption all came out you know, it's not like, a, I'm not the one really just put financial resources into it, but I'm the one really trying to get the idea out, to speak to people, to invite people, so that this project came to true, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. So that's
3: me. Uh, when I came to Canada in 2011, I angry with my family. I already have three children and my husband, um, you know, Uh, I thought, oh, my life will be changed, it will be different, but you know what, I was able to really use the skills and knowledge I had in China, uh, you know, with the community of government partners, and then to transfer it to here, like my involvement with the communities, with immigrant work centers, and, you know, while I'm doing that, I was I had opportunity to be involved with the research project, mm. so I this really allowed me to formalize some of my research training, and then you know that's another reason uh, I came to McGill for my master's degree. That's where I met uh, Professor Tamara. Professor Tamara is someone so inspiring. Like in her aging class, we have each class, it's different theme, different topic related aging. She gave us so much free space to discuss, sometimes to lead the lecture. And, and then, you know, we work together in that way, actually provide me with opportunity to uh, voice out what I'm thinking about, what I assumed about, or what's the reality in the field. So that's something really inspired me to continue to thinking what's the next step I want to do. But you know, after my graduation, I started working at hospital, in Jewish General Hospital as a social worker there. It was very challenged because in the healthcare facilities, um, the, like the work pace, it's so fast. And then the patient turnover over, it's so quick. So you are really pressured by the discharge planning. But as social workers, uh, you are basically the only one you can really stand up to voice out what the patient needs. But you are working with a team, you're not alone. I work at the emergency department, I work at different other services, but it's all the place, it's just so stressful. You have to really decide what you want to do. You need to take a position there. Otherwise you will be the last one to be consulted for discharging. So it's like, okay. So I have to really, to really voice out my concerns and the risk factors for this patient to leave. So while I'm doing that slowly, I'm gaining understanding of how I could uh, position myself properly in the, like an interdisciplinary team. Once I start doing that, I realize actually we could make a difference. We could really advocate for people who had no voice. Sometimes they came in with a delirium. They cannot say what they want. Mm. So we have to really figure out what other factors we, co- we could consider to make a safe discharge planning. So while I'm, like a, while I'm trying just to um, try different inter- interventional uh, method, uh, I realized Actually, if I do, if I decided to uh, take an easy way out, what suffers is my patient. But if I choose to uh, care about my patient's well being, I could really make a difference. That's something very encouraging. As well, I am able to consult Professor Jill Henley with different cases. And we communicate, you know, talk about my work, you know, experience, and even sometimes consult her with different cases, you know, with uh, this uh, reach, you know, like an empowerment from my professors, I really reached out to Tamara, finally decided to come back for my PhD. You know, one thing, you know, for the PhD topic, I want to say is, um, you know, I'm working, patient majority of my patients are seniors so they have different uh, you know comorbidities already before they came to hospital so like uh, they are sometimes their mental health their uh, social conditions it's just a very vulnerable uh, you know mostly they are really just be uh, disregarded in a way um, about their ability to make a decisions for the treatment plan, for where they want to live, if that's safe to go home, what other support system they have. These questions, uh, it's always there. But a lot of times my patient, one time she told me, I said, how do you like the plan? You know, we had a successful family meeting with everybody present. You know what? She told me. Well, you know, my opinion don't matter. Nobody listens. That really speaks, you know. Yeah. Uh, that That's why I, I just felt, um, come back for my PhD, it's not only getting a degree, it's also to understand and develop my knowledge in the area of capacity assessment. That's something a lot of social work will encounter in our profession, you know. So I believe there is a critical um, knowledge gap that really requires our attention. That's why I came back and uh, this is my first year as well. <laughs> <laughs> I realized I come back to uh, read a lot of uh, like s- theoretical articles. Mm-hmm. It was very challenging because when you are practicing in the field, you will just concentrate on what intervention plans, what will work, which won't work. Yeah, now thinking about which theory this come from? <laughs> <laughs> no,
0: it's the area
3: of theory and theory. Yeah, so now it's like um, I slowly get a hint about which theory will be more relevant to the area I'm interested. In. So um, I'm thinking about I will use relational autonomy uh, theoretical framework to do this research. Oh,
0: great.
3: Yeah. That's for
1: another
2: podcast. <laughs> <been> uh, so <laughs> to say. Uh, for me, for me, for me, I, I'm working on meaning-making model for the experiences of caregivers of dementia patients in Nigeria. So that's another podcast. Right.
0: <laughs> you would like right. to listen
2: to meaning making model. <laughs> okay.
0: so we'll, we'll sit down another time for sure. But thank you. Thank you for sharing that, Marsha and Demiga. And, and um, I'm also doing my stage in a hospital setting. I, I can understand how being part of a multidisciplinary team and your one social work against a whole other range of professions (laughs) can feel intimidating, but um, yeah, we're making a mark and we have people like you who are going to get more into theory to come and tell us, hey, this is what works best and advocate for for our patients. Um, So Professor Tamara, what would you say then uh, made you choose Marsha as your student?
1: Well, I think in both of these cases, like I really am drawn to someone who has practice experience and a lot of it, you're going to if you're doing an academic career, you're likely going to be teaching on faculty if that's what you're interested in doing. So to me, um, coming from practices, it's just my passion. It's something that's important to me, which I saw very clearly, you know, in Marsha and um, her very recent sort of interest in aging. Um, And I I really think that's what I identified with, you know, the other stuff comes like I started my PhD program, I was enrolled in a course called epistemology, I had to go home and look up the name, like I don't even know what the name means. And here I am in this program, you know, reading, like I'm reading things that I didn't understand what I was reading, I had to read it again. And it's, it's very easy to feel like you don't know anything. And, and, And I think that that's kind of what would deter someone from applying in the first place, you know, but actually, the practice wisdom that you have, that is the passion that drives you. And all you need is to get these other skills. And eventually, it kind of all comes together. Mm -hmm. And you end up really offering something to the profession. So I think that's really what it was in both of these cases and 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 that was my own journey that was me you know I wasn't the person who had 15 Marsha had more research experience than I had when I came in to do my PhD as did Vamiga I mean I just knew that I wanted to be thinking about whether what I was doing was really the most the best way to do something and whether the system that I was working in was actually doing as much harm as good you know these were the questions that were bothering me and I wanted to get the skills to be able to answer some of those questions. Mm-hmm. Um, the rest of it kind of comes. Mm-hmm. So but if you're like a passionate social worker and you have an issue and a gap that you feel is really there that you want time and space to work on, mm-hmm. don't worry about whether you're the best writer, whether you've you know ever done research before, if you're willing to learn, you're already coming with so much, just with that practice knowledge base. Right, yeah.
0: Thank you for mentioning that. Um, a, a few episodes ago, I was sitting with the MSW team and uh, Dr. Is also emphasized on that. Say, once you get your BSW, maybe even your MSW, go work with people, go meet um, individuals you're trying to serve, get that practice, get that experience and then you get more, more degrees. <laughs> so I believe, uh, I believe coming from a clinical lens to go macro, to go into, into a more professional uh, um, uh, uh, accreditation is, is important to have some knowledge with people and to have worked and, or volunteered or had uh, personal experiences that you have seen, so you can be able to apply that.
1: Yeah, and I don't know, like, you just when you hear what Marcia says about these these stories that she's still carrying, like, there's a there's a huge responsibility, and I heard it in Bemiga too, like, that's what social work is. It's about being accountable to the people that we're trying, whose voices we're trying to help elevate, and, and, and the passion needs to be part of it, in, in my opinion, and that's what both of these two individuals have and have had their whole career that will drive them to do fantastic, innovative things for the profession.
0: All right, great. Oh, this was so great to have you guys. And uh, before we wrap up, um, I don't think we mentioned that Professor Tamara, you're the director of the uh, PhD program here at McGill. How long have you been doing that? And and what can you tell us about what you want to see this program achieve? I, I believe you touched on a little bit about you know, getting practice having passionate students who are doing something, who are who are putting that email out to reach out to professors. But what else? What else should we know about a PhD program?
1: I think that um, McGill's program, you know, is pretty reliant on the combination of courses, but also uh, mentorship, whether you get it with your own supervisor, or you get it with other faculty. And that's really to me, the core, like when you do a PhD, their coursework is there, your project is there, but along the way you want to pick up other research skills. You want to pick up a bit of teaching, uh, you know, experience, especially if you want to be an academic. So I really want the program. And I think we're already pretty good at it to be a mentorship oriented program. When you are here, you're part of our family and we're working together to make you the best that you can be and to move that you know through the program you know this but you don't have that how can you get that um um, and all the way up to graduation where you know i and i know other faculty are doing this and we're trying to make it even more explicit like you're at a conference and you hear about a job Let's think about our students. Like, who's around? Who's coming up for graduation? These are the people we want to promote. So, very much a kind of wrap around. Um, we're in this together. Let's work together. Uh, kind of philosophy. Mm, great.
0: Yeah. And and also just a quick question of curiosity. Um, how long is the program? The PhD program had. How- that how much and who interested. you
1: ask. <laughs> it's, it's it's designed to be about four years. Like you do two, you do a full year of full coursework, and then in your second year, you do sort of an independent paper and one more course, and then you're you're ready really by the end of that second year in the spring to put your project together, which takes another two years. But things happen along the way. Social work does draw a different kind of PhD student. Some PhD programs will draw, you know, just someone who's like going up the ranks in education and, and, you know, they don't have a lot of life experience. PhD students in social work tend to have families, uh, tend to have, you know, even part-time jobs that they haven't quite wanted to give up or need to continue with, um, you know, so it sometimes takes a little bit longer but you know like maybe five years but um you should be able to finish in four four and a half years
0: Uh, yeah
1: so it is a it's an investment in time (laughs) but it's a fun one
0: i believe especially if you're (laughs) in an area that is yeah that is more specialized um because we're thinking in a bsw you're getting a little bit of everything in a MSW, you're specializing a little bit, taking some elective courses here and there, and then I believe in the PhD, you really are there for for the project and for the research you're passionate about.
1: That's right, and the the skills that you pick up along the way are more research based kind of skills um, that maybe you didn't have in the same way. So you tackle that same issue you've been passionate about and you've been working with your MSW, but now you're interested in why is it we do this this way? And are there other ways of doing it? And if I want to know that, how would I do that? Like, How would I answer that question? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know you guys get a bit of it in the masters with putting a proposal together. This is actually learning the skills to implement components of that proposal, you know?
0: Okay, bring it to life and then take it back. Bring it to life. Yeah, Okay.
1: <laughs> And I do see tons of parallels between research and practice, but that's for another podcast that you and I will be <laughs> doing in the coming
0: weeks. Come. Yay. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, great. Thank you. You've, you've given us a lot to think about, a lot to process. Um, thank you again, Marsha and, and Demiga for sharing your stories on how you got here and uh, we're looking forward to seeing you, um, graduate and start implementing all those things or even during your your PhD journey, I'm sure. Thank you, Professor Tamara, for for bringing these amazing students uh, to this podcast and for sharing with us a little bit about the PhD program um, so that we can be less intimidated uh, but also appreciate the work that goes into it. Um, Now, as we conclude, I have one bonus question for each one of you for under a minute. Can you tell me what a good social worker is, or what you want to, to see or experience in a social worker. Um, a good social worker is, I'll start with Marsha.
3: Um, I, I think a good social worker should be a person who's passionate about the cause, which I've really engaged in. So even my journey to PhD, it's uh, under construction now. I'm so excited to be part of this cohort on the pandemic, you know, environment. So I really felt together we can consult, evaluate and reflect on solutions. That's something I really appreciate. And by doing that, we can build in strength and resilience in our community as well to keep our passions strong for social justice and advocacy. So, you know, I'm really convinced that one person only can do so little, but together we can do so much.
0: Ooh, great, thank you, thank you. Uh, Bimiga, a good social worker is, under
2: yeah, you know. my, I, I, I have three things in mind, which is very, very important and dear to my heart. That is social justice, compassion, and co-production. Social mm-hmm. justice for the vulnerable. I mean older persons, children, women, and girls that reside in grassroots at the rural communities and in most underdeveloped African countries. And then compassion for this set of people, it's very, very important as social worker. If you are not compassionate about what you are doing, I mean, you won't see reasons why you should continue in it and you won't even feel any sense of value, any sense of commitment in it. And then I see co-production. That is, everybody, together, everybody achieve more, which is team. Multidisciplinary approach, multi-sectoral approach, they are very, very important. However, we need to come together in order to address the issues around uh, misconceptions, issues around stigma and discrimination, issues around uh, environmental justice, climate change, that affect the vulnerable population. It is very very important, and Professor Tamara have said it all. Together we can achieve more, mm-hmm. far beyond our thinking, and that is what my cohort, my group, which i <laughs> me and Masha belong. That's what we focus on. We can't, you can't do it alone. Social workers can't do it alone. We need to, re, we need to go back to the physician, to the lawyers, to the uh, to other professionals in order to achieve the best. For our, for our population. Thank you.
0: Oh, great, thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, Professor Tawara?
1: Oh, now I have to sound uh, as good as these two. <laughs> but I, I will just add actually the two other elements that I think are critical for social work that I actually also think are critical for researchers is reflexivity and critical thinking. Mm-hmm. I think social workers need to retain that. We are so positioned to just do the job other people tell us we should be doing. But our job is to question whether that is, in fact, the job, whether we should actually be doing that or doing something else. And that is not easy in our neoliberal system that we have set up right now. But those continue asking questions, continue wondering and imagining, a different way of doing something. To me, in addition to the passion and the commitment to social justice and the sort of skill in relationship, which I think is also really critical, just don't lose sight of being a critical, reflexive, questioning person.
0: Good, good, good. Uh, I think that's a theme that keeps coming up as well. We were talking about it with, uh, uh, Professor Nico, last week, reflection, reflection, reflection. Um, so we're grateful for these reflection papers. We keep writing all the time and uh, we see. <laughs> we see oh, that it's it's training you for your PhD. <laughs> <laughs> oh, reflection. Reflection. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for for uh, listening up to here. I think we're in into 40 minutes now. And again, thank you, Professor Tamara. Bemiga and Marsha for joining me. This is Alice Ishimwe and I bid you goodbye.